Welcome back to the Digital Health and Wearables series. Today I have another magnificent episode for you, but before I go ahead, I would like to acknowledge our global partners and sponsors, Spirit Digital. Make sure you check them out. And also, if you if you have not subscribed, please do so and check all the previous guests with amazing content for you. But before I go ahead now, I'd like to introduce you uh, Jill Bash, which is a managing director of Finn Partners and also a digital health influencer. Jill, how are you? I'm extremely well, and it is a pleasure, a delight to be with you, particularly on this program. We have been in close contact for, I think, almost two years, sharing information with each other. And I follow you. I follow, obviously, the YouTube channel since you started it, and, of course, all your posts. And I recommend all of our listeners do the same. Uh, just following you alone is a way of picking up a tremendous amount of information about digital health and wearables. Oh, brilliant, Jill. Thank you so much for your uh, kind words. I also follow your great work and you're very active now and the amount of uh, information and value that you provide now is is fantastic with your uh, professional, of course, uh, output, but also you do much more. You do a lot of extra with social media and everything. So, I mean, well done for being so active. Well, I think that that's really because the hunger in our field has just exploded right now. It's not it's not that we've been separated socially and that digital communications brings us closer together. That's true. That was always true. I think what's happened now is we've seen in the last 18 months, 16, 18 months, the practical nature of what you and others are trying to do. Digital health is actually drawing together a health ecosystem that has been so separated, different economic models, different information models, different ways of looking at our health urgencies. And suddenly in comes digital health and it almost becomes a visible wiring that we see drawing together patient and payer, payer and provider, policymakers, product innovators, all coming together in an ecosystem that is ideally there to benefit us. Mm. Brilliant. Jill, thank you so much for accepting and, and taking time. I know you are busy with lots of things. We go straight to the questions. So the question number one that I have for you is, let's talk digital health. We are already talking digital health. <laughs> and uh, there, are, there are lots of obstacles to access digital health, as you know. Can you expand a bit on this, please? Yeah. So... I think a few of the obstacles that I see that I'm most worried about is one mindset and behavior of the system itself. We, we know that people who are developing uh, all sorts of health information technologies, whether it's what you love, of course, you're the wearable expert, whether it's wearables, whether it's apps, whether it's way of accessing information from each other, the biggest challenge we face is the system itself. The system is resistant to change. The system works not only on, its, on a, uh, a vision of caring for us, as sometimes patients, we're always people first, but the system is trying to figure out if I incorporate these ideas into my, into my infrastructure, how do I work out cybersecurity? How do I work out reimbursement? How do I charge for it? How do I get reimbursed for that? And so the system is the number one obstacle to health innovation. That's one, two. We're also dealing with a sense of disparities, health disparities. Not all of us have the same background. Not all of us have the same access to information. 
just as an example of that, I was I was spending a few days last week in Hunter, New York. Beautiful town. I highly recommend people visit it. But one of the challenges I felt when I left the place I was staying with a router, I had absolutely no digital connection. I had no Wi-Fi or cellular connection. So we're dealing with broadband. We're dealing with access to baseline technology that this country is grappling with, the United States is grappling with, which is actually getting access to Wi-Fi. In some countries, that's a challenge. Then we're dealing with trust, basic trust to the system. We're, we're still not in a situation where people of color in many nations, in this nation in particular, really feel that the system is there for them. So we actually have an emotional, psychological, physical obstacles we've got to overcome. So I just wanna say part of the obstacles we face are economic systems. Part of the obstacles we're facing is, is actually access to the technology. Part of the obstacles we're facing actually is justice, equity for everyone to have access to good health care. If we can deal with those three priorities, then all the things that you do, that Spirit does, the sponsor, everybody is doing, can actually make an impact on human life. Brilliant. Uh, Jill, thank you so much for touching in such, um, I mean, such important uh, topics and of course it's not as straightforward uh, as having connection but also the the basics uh together with the other things really create a big obstacle all together sometimes they run in parallel as you just mentioned yeah. we're not lacking innovation and ideas mm. we're actually lacking sometimes even today infrastructure Absolutely. I do agree with you. This leads up really nicely to the second question, actually. Um, recently, as you mentioned, health equity is a very important topic. And um, what can we do to help more people uh, globally? Well, we that's a, that's a vast question. And I think we're facing that challenge or the opportunity in many different ways. Uh, first and foremost, um, I'm going back on the conference scene. I imagine you are as well. You're obviously a very popular speaker. You're in demand. You know, people want you on that main stage again and as quickly as possible. And often we're talking about what, who, the patient, people, people with health urgencies, the patient. One thing I find a baseline that we have to start to change our mindset around is if we're talking about the patient, let's get the patient in the room. Let's get the patient in the decision-making process. Most of our health infrastructure is based, as I said earlier, around the system itself. So when we have inventors, drug development people, when we have people inventing wearables, all sorts of things, who's absent from the conversation? The people who are going to use this. They're absent from the conversation. Now, actually, there are now uh, innovations that are on the forefront of being developed right now so that people can feel that they belong in, in, as part of the conversation. But, but often what's happening is we're inventing, we're inventing ideas, medicines, we're doing drug trials, we're looking at reimbursement systems, we're looking at, at what's on formulary, we're looking at how people access care itself, and we're not including the patient and how that system would, would work. And it's interesting for me to see those enterprises that actually make the patient at the center of their idea or their service are often ranked today as the number one institution. I think in this country, in the United States, um, hospital systems that really are seen as being extraordinary in care, 
Cleveland Clinic, New York Langone, Cedar sinai are just some of the centers of excellence for patient care. But why? Vanderbilt University Medical Center is another great example. Why? They see their essence, their existence as serving people's needs. Now, we often talk about um, the patient as the customer. I, I beg to differ. I think that right now the system is the customer. The patient is an afterthought. The system treats itself as the customer. So one of the ways of dealing with health disparities is actually to start to treat people as the customer of the system, all people as customers of the system. That's one. Two, we have a system that's built around a certain model. It doesn't reach out and deal with people individually and in their needs. And I'll give you a classic example. Often we're building infrastructures, buildings, buildings, and the building itself is not hospitable or welcoming or in a place where those people who need it the most can access it. There's an organization trying to champion our awareness about this called the International Well Building Institute. And they're looking at how we build for the future. I know that sounds a little different than a wearable, but guess what? A building that's not accessible because a highway separates it from the population is obviously not going to be a major medical center for people who have urgent needs. So one, we have to actually begin to understand that we do have racial inequities in this country. And I want to give you a classic example of that. Often we talk about people of color, black Americans, who are predisposed to diabetes or predisposed to hypertension. Is it because they're genetically predisposed or environmentally predisposed? We've never really answered that question. It's probably environmentally predisposed. They don't have access to, all people don't have access to healthy foods. They don't have access to health education. They don't always have access to wearables that tell them what their blood pressure are. And so we build a system around a certain population and we actually separate others from it. I, I would say we have to start with looking at making sure that we deliver health to those people who need it the most. And when we can start to do that with equity and with justice, and look at what different people's needs. That's what health equity needs means, by the way. It doesn't mean equal. It means each person is actually getting the resources they need in order to be healthy. We have to really revisit that around the world. No, Jill, thank you so much. You, you mentioned so much in there, and, and we often talk about patient centricity and, and, and lots of different things. And of course, the patient is not there. And as you know now, big innovators are actually doing a lot of co-design before they design services and innovations and consider the patient. But you mentioned very important uh, topics there about, I mean, some of the basics are not in, in place. I really like the things that you mentioned about the social, economic side of things that impact the way we live and the way we access the healthcare in general. So thank you so much for that. It's actually really complex, but I like your analogy about the the system doesn't actually personalize, you know, and, and we talk about a lot personalized health, but it's actually very difficult to to personalize, to gather to different groups at different times, different services. So yeah, it's not uh, straightforward, but um, yeah, but it's possible. And I, th I think we, we've seen a lot of, progress in the last few years, but of course we have a long way to go. You know what we could do? We, we, um, you're, you're really one of the, our top thought leaders globally. 
Um, I hope that medical schools start to invite you in to talk about wearables and digital health. I, I look forward to getting those invitations as well. But interestingly enough, our, our doctors of tomorrow, they've learned about this and, and this and, and, uh, and iPads and all that from life, from high school, from college, and from their friends. There are no courses that actually teach our physicians how to deal with people who have health urgencies, how to use technology to be closer to your patient, how to encourage your patients to use technology to be closer to the physician. Um, all of this awaits us. You're a champion of that. So I'm looking to you to set the course, but I'll be right next to you, as will my colleagues. We obviously all want to make a difference in the world, and digital health technology is part of that. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Jill, for your kind words. And of course, we, we're pushing forward. We're paving the way together, as, as you know. And the third and last question that I have for you, Jill, is how do you see healthcare in the near future? Boy, that's a real wish question, and I'm going to take it on. Well, first of all, we're coming out of COVID-19. We're in that, uh, I'll call it the, the beginning of the post-COVID-19 era. And what we've recognized is that innovation, technology, diversity are all part of the solutions. So one, no going back, as they say. I don't want us to go back to the pre-COVID era of how we delivered healthcare. I, I definitely feel that we have to implement policies around access to remote care, telehealth. Since, since we've reached this post-care period, telehealth uh, services have dropped by about 37% in the United States. We, we actually have to examine that. Is that because the payers are reimbursing more for in-person visits? Is that because the doctors need to see patients because they haven't seen them in a while? Those are really important questions we've got to answer immediately, immediately, because we're talking about access to care. So one, I'd love to see in, in, in the future, a system that puts much more emphasis on self-care, on wellness, on preventive care, rather than sick care. We don't have a healthcare system in the developed world. We actually have a sick care system. People don't go to their doctor to check in, to say, what do I do to get on a well track as opposed to a sick track. We usually go to our doctors to, tell, to hear we're, we're gaining too much weight or our, our blood glucose is rising or our blood pressure is rising or our cholesterol is rising. We need to change the system. We actually need to embed in it quickly, a system that values and rewards health, true health. And that's going to involve you and me and everybody who cares about this area starting to talk about self-care, incentivizing people to self-care. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that companies take up your challenge and start to realize in this nation, they're paying for health insurance already. They're paying about 52% of companies pay for health insurance. The rest of us access health care through the exchanges. But for those companies that are already paying for a good chunk of health care, it's time they invest in well care. And so that's a big change I hope comes out of the COVID-19 era. The other aspect is now that this and this connects and, and we have to find ways to actually find information that we're comfortable sharing, sharing with um, people who are developing medicines for tomorrow and find ways to share it with our physician so our physician can actually have some system to engage us more real time. So I'm hopeful that all the ideas and aspirations that came out of the COVID-19 era, let's do something about together. 
Let's you and I rub shoulders together. Let's work for well care. Thank you, Jill. That's very inspiring. And also that's exactly what we need. We need a major shift, a major change. And I do agree with you. COVID-19 has been kind of a catalyst to push us out of our comfort zone. So yeah, you mentioned really uh, important points in there. And I've been in corporate wellness and healthcare for over 20 years. And we talk a lot about self-care. We talk about, about well-being, wellness. But in all essence, I mean, very little is done by the governments, by the organizations, you know, but it's time to take more action. So thank you so much, Jill. Before I wrap up, I, I finish all my episodes in a peculiar way. It's not really a question as such. It's called one minute of fame, okay? So you can talk about anything that you wish, a professional achievement, I mean, um, a personal life, anything, mention other people, shout out, anything that you wish, Jill. So over to you, one minute of fame. Well, I thank you so much for that. So first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to get back on the road. I have, um, I don't know if I'll see you there, but I'll see many friends at Hims. I'll be at Hims in Las Vegas. I'm obviously vaccinated. When I do leave and I'm in a public setting, I do wear a mask. Hims, I'm so looking forward to it. It's about a week, a month from now. I, I'm hopeful we have a good turnout. Uh, I have many people from around the world, my colleagues who I've not seen in well more than a year. I'm so looking forward to seeing them and, and giving them a, a hug. Um, so that will be um, very special for me. Um, look, my work, my work is possible because of my colleagues at Finn Partners. Make no mistake about it. To build an organization as we have based on values, based on the inherent value to make a difference in the world has really made us one of the, the drivers in purpose-based communications. And I think that the world needs people like you these people like them, these people who are really in the forefront of medicine to make a difference, to really make purpose something that gets us up in the morning and, and driving. I'm looking forward to spending a little more time writing. You, you, you acknowledge that at the very beginning. I have some pieces coming out, something that has supercharged me. I want people to pay attention to, not just my writing, everybody's, but environmental health. Um, we are um are kidding ourselves if we don't start to recognize that the environment and public health are interlinked so that's a topic i think we have to focus on we have to look at social impact a lot more so uh, what charges me and brings joy and fun to my life is actually making a difference in other people's lives mm -hmm. you know i always believe that we're finite we're visitors here on this tiny planet that spins around the sun and we have to ask ourselves are we contributing to each other's lives in a way that makes this world better? I hope I am. I know you are. I am very excited. I have a tremendous amount of joy working in an organization that shares my ideals and makes me feel confident that this world can be a little bit better today, tomorrow, the day afterward. So thank you. That's fun. That's fun. I obviously, I'm actually also just to share with our listeners, I'll be celebrating 40 years of happy marriage with my wife, who's also in the health business, um, very passionate about working with people. So that also, my family gives me a tremendous amount of joy, a healthier planet, healthier lives, great colleagues, being with you, it doesn't get very much better today. Thank you. Jill, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for your insights, your expertise, and also your aspiration and inspirational thoughts and wishes thank you so much for your time 
always. Deli delighted to be connected with you, collaborate, and and to have you in here. So I'm going to wrap up now. Thank you so much. And um, we come to the end of the episode. If you have not subscribed, please do so and check Spirit Digital, our global partners. And uh, I'll see you all next week.